1: This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.
2: The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture. The 620 CKREM is proud to be your voice for everything A. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley.
3: And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com and brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we talk with market analyst Neil Townsend, looking back at 2022, ahead to 2023, and the impact of the war in Ukraine on markets. Real Agriculture also takes a look forward to markets in the coming year. We have a feature on weather stats for 2022, and a look at the rest of the winter. We chat with Environment Canada meteorologist Terry Lang. The farm weather's in its usual spot,
2: This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley.
3: Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your farm fresh water today at farmfreshwater.ca. A grain market analyst describes 2022 as a year of great uncertainty for prairie farmers. The senior analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions, Neil Townsend, says the Russian invasion of Ukraine was a key market factor in the past year, he adds it will be a key factor again this year, as well as crop conditions in South America.
4: Well, I mean, I think 2022 is sort of characterized by like a higher level of volatility, higher level of uncertainty, like certain things happened that, you know, probably weren't built into the models or built into expectations coming into 2022. The most notable of that was sort of, uh, you know, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the, you know, the severity of that war and the length of that war, which continues on to today. Uh, that being said, I think a lot of this sort of unfolded in uh, a higher than, you know, typical price environment. Like if you go back over the 10 or the last 15 years, we were, were in one of our higher, you know, ag commodity price regimes that we've seen. Now, I think the war set an expectation that we'd see a continuation of rising agricultural prices. And almost contrary to that, we've seen very successful uh, Russian uh, production and Russian exports. And we've seen wheat prices sort of, you know, not get back to the levels that they were just in the immediate aftermath of the war. That leaves sort of a tinge of disappointment, but it sort of removes the focus from the fact that overall we've done pretty good with the prices. Now that's all uh, occurred in a, in an environment of uh, inflation, higher interest rates, uh, rising cost of inputs, So there are quite a few concerns when farmers are sort of penciling out next year about the higher costs. Although looking forward to 2023, I think the first big event that we see is, you know, what is the South American weather going to be? Because the South American weather, you know, if that crop hits, if the South Americans are able to produce, you know, a record by you know probably 15 or 20% higher than they've done before of soybeans, that's going to, you know, potentially reset the markets and send things back to sort of, you know, closer to what we'd call the average over the last five or six or seven years, because, you know, that would weigh on prices heavily. Um, but I think when farmers in Western Canada are looking at their return on investment available for the 23 crop that they'll be planting in the spring, um, there's going to be choices that have to be made, but there are price indications that still suggest that profit is possible and that there can be a positive return on investment. As I say, there's some crops that are kind of going to fade a bit because they don't look as good, but you know, I think right now, canola, wheat, some of the pulses, they're still showing up looking pretty good for next year. Now, all farmers are concerned about costs and cost security in terms of how much oil is going to be, diesel is going to be, how much uh, fertilizer is going to be, all those types of things. So it's going to be a balance, but. You know, that's probably more akin to what farming is like over a long period of time than it has been in the last few years where, you know, everything pencils out nicely and all you have to do is hope that the weather cooperates. Right now, there's a little bit more management that's probably needed and choices that you're making on your on your fields. So would
3: you say you're optimistic or pessimistic about 2023?
4: Well, I'd say I'm realistic about 2023. I expect there to be a continuation of uncertainty and volatility. Uh, one thing I haven't mentioned yet, but it's, you know, all over the news is the situation in China. I mean, they're still dealing with COVID as I guess the world is, but the consequences right now in China are more significant with people getting sick and uh, it's really a drag on their economy. And, you know, that's 1.4 billion people. We need them to be a participant in the world economy, not just for eggs and and commodities, but for all things. And right now, you know, they are a source of uncertainty and a little bit of a drag on the world economy. Now, the question is, like, how will China look six months from now? Will it be sort of, you know, they went through this surge of COVID. They've got it under control. It's it's more akin to how we're dealing with it in you know, the rest of the world where it exists, but, you know, we don't let it slow us down economically, you know, then the world looks a lot different because China will be more of a buyer, more of a sending out product that might lower our costs for inputs and things like that. But right now, I mean, their economy is just under a lot of duress because of the situation there. Now, some people say, you know, that duress is more systematic and not just related to COVID and that it might persist going further. And other people say that, you know, once they deal with COVID and the first couple months of this calendar year that, you know, they'll start to have a a better chance of being, you know, the China that that we know from, you know, pre-pandemic times.
3: Neil Townsend is Senior Market Analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. Coming up, he gives an outlook on the impact of the ongoing invasion of Ukraine on great...
2: Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM.
3: Grain market analyst Neil Townsend says the war in Ukraine will ensure continued volatility in world markets. Townsend says there's some uncertainty around continued grain flow from Ukraine to world markets in 2023.
4: Well, I mean, there's, again, a lot of uncertainty in that area, too. Like uh, over the Christmas season, some of the reinsurers were, you know, denying that they would be involved with, uh, you know, Protecting boats or allowing policies on boats that are coming out of the Black Sea. You know, there's been some reports in the last 24 hours that ships have not been ent- entering the export corridor or really like, you know, they're trying to figure out what this all means. Uh, so, you know, if anything that happens that would slow the potential grain flow, you know, will have uh, an impact on the world markets right now. It's not consequential enough to kind of like, you know, look, make people uh, look for alternatives. I think the war goes on until, you know, there's a negotiated settlement. I don't think we're at that situation right now where either side wants to concede or, you know, uh so that means the war continues. I think one of the big issues will be like what's production look like in the Black Sea region in 2023. Uh, last year, the Russians had a very, very large crop. I mean, there's some debate about just how big, but it could have been over 100 million tons of wheat. And they're exporting like they have, 100 million tons of wheat. You know, they're exporting quite aggressively. It doesn't look like they're going to get the same crop next year, but we don't know. It's it's very unseasonably warm right now in parts of uh, Russia and Ukraine and Europe in general. So I, I think the crop matters. I think Ukraine's crop will be down from where it was this year. I mean, they won't. The war is just having an impact on getting materials where it needs to be. And uh, the interior prices in Ukraine are have been damaged by the war. So, you know, while they're exporting this year, I think, you know, we shouldn't expect them to have as much of a surplus next year. And again, we don't know what the condition will be of their infrastructure, you know, this time next year. Will the Russians continue to bomb it and continue to deteriorate it? Or will will the war be over and, you know, it'll be a big repair job going on? I, I don't know. But I think in the meantime, at least in the next six months, we shouldn't expect a quick resolution in the war. And prices? Well, I mean, I, I think that the big catalyst for prices is going to be South American weather conditions. And if those South American weather conditions, like right now, I think generally the world consensus is that Brazil's okay and, and on track to have a record production and Argentina is too dry and and that's deteriorating their their crop. Now, some of the Paraguay happens to be in the wet area, so they look good and, you know, they're not going to be dragged down like Argentina is. So overall I think South America is going to finish up with a a record soybean production and a very large corn production. And, you know, if China is not as aggressively buying because of their dealing with COVID and all that, we're going to, people are going to start to perceive a a greater surplus which is going to weigh on prices. So there is going to be a little bit of reversion to mean and Then the next question mark is, you know, what does northern hemisphere crops look like? And I would say that, you know, you can't make too many judgments on January 4th, but the current map for Canada and the U.S. doesn't look that great. It looks like a lot of regions have some form of drought. So if there are drought worries, I'm not saying that a drought necessarily materializes and damages crop, but right now we're getting close to where people could be concerned that could also stabilize and keep prices higher than they otherwise would be. But if we have a successful crop, meaning like, you know, average weather and trend yield in North America, then I would expect prices to be down 5, 10, 15% from where they currently are.
3: Neil Townsend is Senior
0: Market
2: Analyst with FarmLink Marketing. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Hayden,
0: our 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. And we are joined right now to talk about the markets by John Dreger of Leftfield Commodity Research based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. What are the three things we got to think about when we're thinking about the 2023 commodity complex? Number three.
1: You know, the other thing to think about, and it's maybe a little bit more, uh, I don't know, if mundane is the right way to phrase it. But, uh, you know, we have for a lot of these major crops, you know, whether we're talking uh, uh, corn and soybeans in the U.S., we think about wheat globally. Uh, we think about, say, you know, canola here in, in Western Canada, or barley, or some of these other crops. I think almost across the board, you have balance sheets or projected carryouts for the current crop year that are pretty tight uh, for almost all crops. And so, I guess one of the things to sort of think about and wonder about is, is as we start getting into the second half of the old crop year, and we're getting closer to where, you know, maybe we're not that far away from we start thinking about new crop acres and weather and so forth. You know, with some of these balance sheets, you know, prices are high historically for most crops, even if they're off, you know, earlier peaks, are these balance sheets going to get tight, tight, (coughs) excuse me, tighter as we get into the tail end of this crop year, which sort of cranks up a little bit of urgency as we get into spring planting and spring weather, or, you know, maybe if demand's a little bit softer or whatever the case is, do you add just a little bit of cushion that takes a little bit of urgency out of the market? You know, maybe then you get some decent spring planting conditions and so forth, and now suddenly you got some real headwinds for these prices. And mm-hmm. I think it'll for a lot of these balance sheets. I don't know if tipping point is the right word, but it wouldn't take a whole lot of you know maybe cushion to kind of have an impact on prices. You know, conversely, if things actually tighten up a little bit because they're already quite tight, you know, you, you increase that that urgency quite a bit. And so, you know, in that sense, the next the next couple of months is kind of a time of year when you sort of let's call it sort of plod through you know, trying to fine tune demand numbers before you kind of in, say, second half of March, sort of, you know, kick off that uh, focus on new crop. Well, it, it's kind of a quieter time of year, but it wouldn't take much of a swing in some of these carryouts for old crop to kind of, you know, really, really shape that perspective for new crop going forward. And so, you know, in many ways, you know, even, even fine tuning around the margins might have a bit of an outsized impact here as, as we look ahead to the spring and summer months.
0: Yeah, because the market is really priced in tight balance sheets. So if it if it was to come to fruition because of you know the interest rates, you know global recession, uh, the China factor as you mentioned, that that's what happens in number three. If we do see those balance sheets expand more than people expect, they don't get bloated, but they're just a little bit thicker than people originally had thought. That'll that'll definitely have a negative impact on the market, or at least a reaction in the short term.
1: Yeah, I I think so. And and certainly, at least if you think about from a farmer perspective, again, when you think about managing risk, whether you take some risk off the table on some rallies or how to navigate that. And as I mentioned, it, it wouldn't take a whole lot of a swing, say, in the corn carryout or soybeans or, you know, canola or whatever it is to, you know, again, sort of really crank up that urgency because now the risk is amplified and or else, you know, again, you just add enough bushels where, oh, you know, maybe conditions aren't the best in spring, but the market's not too worried about it. Then you get maybe some timely rain and suddenly there's, there's a heaviness that's there. And again, as these things always are, it's relative to price. If everything was 25% lower, you know, that conversation looks different. But we're at historically really high prices still, even if we're off those peaks, and so, you know, that's something that's, uh, you know, it, it, it wouldn't take a whole lot of additional production or, or supply to kind of just cause some of that to leak out of the market. And so, I don't know if it's going to happen, but certainly yeah. that's something we're watching real close over the next couple months.
0: Well, and, and you can see sheets getting tighter. Like, think about from a wheat perspective, through the western half of the U.S., what you know, places like Kansas, Nebraska, it's dry. Uh, also mm-hmm. dry, still relatively, you know, we, we're not really out of the woods. When you think about western Canada, there's still some very dry spots in some of the key wheat growing regions of of the Western Canadian prairies. Mother Nature doesn't really cooperate. There's another, you know, you can argue that side. We were back to where we're talking about inflation, where you have, you know, people arguing both sides and you're like, yeah, that makes sense to me. And they're totally opposing views. You can do the same when it comes to the balance sheet.
1: Yeah, well, I I totally agree, Sean, and I, I think wheat is is uh, is is a good example where it's really tight globally, and yet this market has been kind of you know sagging and and, and sort of heavy over the past months. Not we've really we haven't added supply, and there's enough risks about twenty twenty three. You know, acres are down in Ukraine. You know, plantings and, and you know some risk to the u.s crop already it's it's dry in western canada mm. you know it's it's really is a, a really a wide range of potential
0: outcomes here at this stage of the game this has been your real agriculture update you can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com
2: it's your agra weather forecast on the voice of saskatchewan 620 ckrm
3: The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepard Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Mainly sunny today, fog patches will be dissipating in the noon hour, winds up to 15 km per hour. The high today, minus 10. Fog patches again tonight, the low, minus 18, with the wind chill near minus 25 tonight. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, fog patches dissipating in the morning, winds up to 15 km per hour. Thursday, the high, minus 13, the low, minus 24. Friday, sunny with a high minus 16, the low minus 17. Saturday, turning milder with sunny sky, high minus 8, the low minus 13. Sunday, sunny with a high minus 10, the low minus 11. And all next week, milder Monday, partly cloudy, the high minus 5, the low minus 11 tuesday partly cloudy the high minus five normal high for this date is minus eleven the normal low is minus twenty three the sun rose at eight fifty nine this morning it sets at five o eight tonight and currently the hot spot is maple creek at minus six right now the cold spot in saskatchewan is scott at minus twenty that's scott agriculture canada research station estevan is minus fifteen saskatoon minus twelve swift current minus ten weyburn minus seventeen and yorkton minus eleven in Regina with mist and overcast sky it's -15 that's 6 above Fahrenheit winds are from the southeast at 12 humidity 83% barometer rising 101.9 overcast and moose jaw minus 14 winds are from the east and northeast at 5 once again Regina mist overcast and -15 that's 6 above Fahrenheit
1: This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada.
2: Your tune to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM.
3: This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com, And brought to you by pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. The weather stats for 2022 in Saskatchewan point to a cool and dry year for much of the Grain Belt. Environment Canada meteorologist Terry Lang says Regina's temperature was about one degree colder than normal last year, while precipitation was 29.5% percent below average
5: well for the most part yet another dry year unfortunately for a good part of Saskatchewan, particularly through the central and northern parts of Saskatchewan, quite a dry year. Also, other parts of Saskatchewan came in dry as well. Uh, Saskatoon with their fourth driest year on record out of 115 years, kind of troublesome there. Uh, Other places, certainly in the top 20 to 30 of their their driest years. The exceptions were in that southeast corner uh, of the province, Estevan, Yorkton, just because they they got hit by those series of... uh, Colorado lows that kept coming through and that really bumped up the precipitation numbers for those areas.
3: So Saskatoon had its fourth driest, Regina had its 23rd driest, but Estevan had its 33rd wettest year.
5: Yeah, just because of where they were situated and because those Colorado lows in the spring kept coming through and dumping moisture on them. And, you know, it really played havoc with planting and then it delayed the harvest and, you know, that moisture's uh, kind of still there. And there's been a couple more Colorado lows that have come through and kind of clipped them already. So they're uh, starting to pile up the, the precipitation as well.
3: Tell me about the annual statistics for temperature. Just how was it for Regina and southern Saskatchewan?
5: Well, for the most part, it was colder than average for the province, not outstandingly uh, no colder than average, except in northern Saskatchewan. We have Key Lake, which is kind of a known frost hollow. They tend to be really cold, but everybody else was, you know, on average colder than average, but... Mostly when the rankings came out, they kind of came like middle of the pack or maybe, you know, top third. So really not exceptionally cold just because there was such variation in temperature over the the year that everything kind of evened itself out for many places.
3: Yeah, it looks like Regina was, what, one degree colder than normal and much same for Estevan and even Yorkton
5: yeah, like I said, just sort of middle of the packish to the top third for for the coldest. So not outstandingly cold, but you know certainly on the cool side. I think because we had that, you know cool winter, cool spring, and then December kind of brought the stats down as well.
3: Tell me a little bit about December stats. Just what does December go into the record book as?
5: Well, kind of, you know, again, sort of a a mixed bag for everybody. You know, with respect to temperature, it was colder than average for everybody, the entire province, and exceptionally so too, like minus below four, five, six, seven degrees below average, which is pretty significant. And most places were in the sort of that top 20 for coldest December. So I think everybody could kind of tell you that. And the further west you went, the colder than average it got. So everybody in Western Canada was really on on the cold side. The one thing that I noticed. Too, just because there's one place in Saskatoon, the Saskatchewan Research Council, that measures a bright sunshine. And I think, you know, what was sort of interesting is because when you think of when it's colder than average with that Arctic air, you tend not to get as much precipitation and not as much cloud and really, really cold. But what the statistics for the bright sunshine showed that it was actually a lot cloudier than average. We only got 37% of average sunshine, which I, I find sort of goes against what we normally think about Arctic air. And the other thing we noticed too, there's been a lot of incidents of hoarfrost and rime icing that dress up the trees. And that sort of speaks to uh, how much cloud there has been around that rime icing forms only under cloudy, foggy conditions. And that speaks to that, to the presence of that cloud. So sort of an interesting stat there.
3: How is December precipitation?
5: Well, for the most part, m- most people were, were sort of on the dry side, and again, that goes along with that colder air. When there's Arctic air, you can't squeeze as much moisture out of that. We did see a couple of those weather systems track across that Christmas week. A couple places got quite a bit of snow, even though some of the, um, the places don't necessarily reflect that. Our stations have a lot of trouble capturing the snowfall, especially when it's windy. Uh, we tend to undercatch, so I don't think it's you know reflected as much because you no know, place like Regina, Saskatoon, really came in with quite a bit of snow, but we also know that cities and towns tend to be snow traps, so you kind of get more more snow in the cities and towns than out in the uh, pastures and and, uh, outside of the cities. For the most part, most places were particularly dry. North Battleford, ninth driest, um, December on record. So quite dry there. Swift Current did hit saying they were, they were above average with precipitation. And I think that's because they came through and got warmer, a little bit warmer when a blob of warm air came through and we had some freezing rain. So that really, uh, you know, added up, I think, for their precipitation stats. So got kind of a mixed bag across the province.
3: Environment Canada Meteorologist Terry Lang coming up, she discusses the outlook for the rest.
2: You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This
3: segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com A weakening La Nina weather pattern makes forecasting winter weather on the prairies a bit difficult. Environment Canada meteorologist Terry Lang says the latest outlook is for about normal winter weather.
5: Well, we still have the presence of that La Nina, but it's still, you know, it, it's dying slowly, and we're becoming sort of into more of a Lanada type of uh, situation, meaning meaning it's getting closer to sort of not above average or not below average for the sea surface temperatures off the coast of South America, which, of course, plays with our, our jet streams. So we are looking still for it to be perhaps a little bit colder than average. The indications now are we're, we're kind of getting away from that and higher probability that it'll be closer to average temperatures as opposed to colder than average. With respect to precipitation, always a bit of a, a crapshoot just because our, you know, our ability to forecast into the future for for precipitation, especially really long ranges, you know, limited at best and sort of educated guessing, it is still indicating that there could be above average precipitation across southwestern Alberta, southwestern Saskatchewan. So hopefully that does come to fruition because we really de- need to do to bring up those uh, precipitation amounts across southern Saskatchewan.
3: Terry Lang is a meteorologist within. Here's the
2: market updates with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM.
5: Market
3: update is brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building material supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Campbell, and Farm Fresh Water—they'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at FarmFreshWater.ca. Grain prices were showing downward movement in early trading. Viterra prices for canola fell 670 at 85402. Number one red spring wheat fell 934 at 41571. The rest were unchanged. Durham 49628. Feed barley 35657. Chickpeas 92595. Flax 68298. Lentils 767.50, yellow peas 476.89, feed wheat 289.56. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for March dropped eleven and a quarter cents at
2: 9.08. It's the livestock reports on the Voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM.
3: The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock, 842-4574. And now, the latest quotes.
5: This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of January 3rd. There hasn't been any sales over the holidays, so there isn't much to report on. We're expecting the market on cows and bulls to be stronger They usually are after the holidays as the plants are looking to replenish their supply. Our first regular sale is this Wednesday, January 4th and our first pre-sort will be on January 16th. Everyone here at Weyburn Livestock would like to wish you a happy new year and all the best in 2023. This has been Stephanie Dig reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets the cattle and the prices too.
3: And today's Saskatchewan pork price is $199.25 per ckg both branded moose jaw plants. Coming up, the re-
2: this is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRN. Here's Jim Smalley.
3: Now, the Resource Report brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. This past summer, the federal government awarded over a quarter of its funding for research infrastructure projects to the University of Saskatchewan. Vice President of Research, Baljeet Singh, notes that there are around 97 universities in the country, so that's a big piece of the pie.
5: It speaks to the heft of the university in our province. Uh, Sometimes I say in a light-hearted way, we may not be the glamorous place, but we are the Saskatchewan prairie place which gets things done at the end of the day.
3: The funding was for VETO, the Canadian light source synchrotron. SuperDarn, which is a series of radars that study the atmosphere to predict things like climate change and global water futures observatories, which looks at water modeling to support the development of solutions for the impending water crisis. On the markets, the TSX has risen 185 points to 19,629. The Dow has gained 227 points to 33,363. Oil has gone down 325 at 73.68 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 74.10 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast, brought to you by Gowan Canada.